Welcome to the Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. We have got a lot to talk about. We found out the results of the latest community decision between Team Flameheart and Team Pendragon. We also got a uh, spoiler for or a teaser for the next season eight adventure. And we also got a little bit of a sneak peek about what the future holds for new Golden Sands Outpost. All that more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. But before we get into any of that, I have to thank the patrons because they're the ones that are supporting this content. They're the ones that are getting the ad-free version. They're the ones that are invited to the monthly episodes. So if you want to be one of them, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast to subscribe, get the ad-free version. You get your own channel in the Discord as well. Uh, so thank you to People's Republic, L Cute, Balls, Bam Bam Bagel, Captain Hasco, Captain Hayes, Chateau Neuf. Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mirror, Gavram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Trickster, Jabaro 5, Carl Ambo, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mick 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Raja the Brave, Registella, Replicated Flame, Rust Belt Kid, Norwegian, Skamelt 666, Sudesh, Captain Dasm, That Kilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Peck, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Heger Owl, Ghost Boy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Skinny Matt, Thor Von Blitz, and Zam Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. First up on today's talk, I think it is only right to talk about the last community decision before the one that we just got results for, and that was do we save Golden Sands Outpost or do we destroy Golden Sands Outpost? Now, I was on the side of the Reapers in this instance. I wanted to see what a destroyed Golden Sands Outpost would do. Would they go through with it? What would happen? What would be the changes that would be brought to Golden Sands Outpost? They obviously couldn't get rid of an outpost. It seemed really strange that that would be the case. But what would it happen if the Reapers actually won? What would that out outpost kind of look like? Uh, would it be in disarray? Would it turn into uh, a tavern of the damned you know would it be an outpost of the damned and we found out that as a result of the saving of golden sands the eventuality of that there have been a lot of stone masonry work being uh, uh changing or going on over at new golden sands outpost um there's ditches that are being dug so that you can lay the foundation for large uh buildings as well as walls um there are pillar supports being designed to help be able to craft turrets for uh or or, or posts for bridges things like that and we're seeing this change come to new golden sands outpost uh knowing that whatever's going to happen looks pretty fantastic now there's been a lot of fears about uh this being the thing that that ushers in the the grand maritime union who a lot of people are kind of concerned about them coming in to establish uh, their own set of rules of trade, uh, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, um, raising the prices of things, you know, all kinds of, of, you know, conspiracy theories going on, basically explaining like what would happen if the GMU actually did make it to the Sea of Thieves. And in the stream that happened um, a, a few days ago at this point, uh, we found out that it's not quite that. And in fact, um, New Golden Sands Outpost will be 
transforming slowly uh we don't know how long but um given the the little teases of artwork that they showed uh, there's potentially as as early as um this this holiday season for in december um for christmas time um i'm hoping that's the case just because there's garland everywhere it's 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 uh potentially what we're seeing here but it's really hard to know because obviously right now everything is still in wood shacks right Everything is still kind of propped up by the buildings that we've had in Sea of Thieves since the beginning of the game. And with this turning into a, a proper pirate port, um, we're talking cobblestone streets. We're talking uh, iron wrought um, uh, street lamps. We're talking um, Spanish clay tile work uh, on, on buildings and stuff like we're, we're going full on like anything that you and I guess the best way to kind of describe it was. If you take a look at the uh, the main town in uh, Pirate's Life Telltale 3, I believe is what it is, because 2 is the Sirens one. Um, if you go into the to the area where you have kind of that nice little um, ride into the Disney kind of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean atmosphere, and you've got the boats and stuff, and you go into that town, that pirate port town, that's effectively what we're going to be getting in new golden sands outpost um I'm, I'm looking at some of the images from the stream itself and it's fantastic it's really beautiful um one of the the key ones that they showed off as far as like a close-up of the building was the uh pirate emporium the the pirate emporium is no longer just a small shack propped up on stilts uh, with a nice little staircase leading up to it where one man behind a small little counter is surrounded by a plethora of interesting little trinkets and things with a, a pet to give them some company. Now we're talking like full uh, window um, door treatments that are or window treatments that are that are showing off uh, items. Um, they've got doors on both sides for for multiple entrances for proper flow through of traffic. So that way, if you get into one area, you head over to the register and you leave the other area. So you're not you're minimizing just uh, uh, minimizing the uh, the traffic congestion that happens. You know, if you go to any any kind of theme park, you'll notice there's a, a, a set in and out for a lot of these buildings and they've they've really done a fantastic job of building buildings that are making buildings that look like they have really had a lot of love and care put into them they're beautiful i i'm really excited to see what this is because i think for a lot of us um as as fans of sea of thieves as fans of, of pirates in general we've always kind of wondered when we'll get to that stage of having the kind of Tortuga, uh, uh, you know, uh, Nassau kind of uh, point in Sea of Thieves. Will we ever get to that point? Because for all intents and purposes, we've we've had nothing but wood shacks. You know, we've we've seen some stone foundations of former buildings on certain islands. I'm I'm thinking like Wanderer's Refuge, and nothing's ever come of that. We've never seen anything built up from those. We've never seen anything done. Everything is kind of built from shipwrecks for all intents and purposes. Everything that we have is thanks to shipwrecks. Um, so, but because of that, we've always kind of wondered, like, when will we actually get to the point that we're getting a full town and, and we are finally getting a full town, a full absolute town. And it looks, it looks fantastic. They, they've done such a good job. The masonry work looks fine. Like you can go over there now. You, and I, and I went over there after the stream just to kind of see if, 
maybe anything that they teased was something that was going to kind of show up in the world as a result of this current uh, community decision. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the, and, and this is what's really interesting too, everything that they're building on right now, because um, I'm, I'm looking at the actual layout and one of the scenes that they have shows in the in the background you've got cannon cove on your left you've got the um the archway for the the pirate's life tall tales in in the center and then off to the right you can see wanderer's refuge because you can see the little three three humps and then the little uh, tunnel in the middle um so all the area that's to the i would say the northwest of uh golden sands outpost all of that is going to be built up to become the new pirate town like the new the new port right um and it still kind of shows like I'm, I'm looking at the image right now they've built up kind of wood ramps uh leading up to it while they are still kind of working on the bridges and you can take a look and see in the the actual screenshots um that they had it during the stream that a lot of the bridge work is still kind of being built up. So they still have some things that are built up and some things that are not. And as they're kind of uh, building up this fortress in the middle of Golden Sands, it's going to be on the northwest corner. So if you head over to Golden Sands right now, you can take a look and there is a massive uh, staircase that leads up. And that staircase to me looks like it's going to be the centerpiece for this outpost. It looks like that's kind of where the main section of where everything is, is going to be. I'm really curious with the general size of this building, uh, what is actually going to be inside it? Because I can see in the background, and I think it's going to be the tavern, honestly, because in the background, I see there's the building that they have for where the pirate emporium building is right and in one of the other scenes you can see right across from that is actually where uh the captain's head the the tavern is so the tavern should be right across the, the way right across the, the literal street the literal stone street i can say that now uh that is right across from uh because we have streets now we never never had streets uh right across from the pirate emporium and then you have this giant building inside uh, that's uh, that's completely separate from those two. So I'm, I'm very curious. Is that where all the vendors are going to be? What are they going to have in there? What is what is going to be the point of all of that? And for the for the time being, I'm going to probably guess that most of that will most likely be set piece. Um, very similar to how we currently have set pieces for a lot of the sea forts. Uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of furniture bunk beds, fireplaces, uh, ornaments. There's probably going to have a, uh, it'd be really interesting if they actually put a, um, a giant map table in there because that's something outposts don't have. Uh, so I'd be very curious if, if the, the eventual outcome of this new seaport brings with it some of the features that came in as a result of the sea forts you know the, the sea forts came in pirates learned what those had in them and as they're working on building up this pirate port uh will they apply some of the learnings that they've gotten from the sea forts whilst uh creating this this place so um but it's just man i i got i'm i'm, I'm honest with you guys all the time i am just I can't wait for this. I really can't wait for this. It looks 
majestic. It really does. Uh, and I think that they're going to do some work to potentially preserve some of the, the features. Like what, what I can say right now is that the likelihood of you, I don't see them really moving a pirate's life uh kind of section right um and it's really hard to say that because right now looking at it it does look like they're going to be moving everything over to this little town and if you thought about uh what mike said when he was talking about this during the actual stream he did talk about how this outpost is going to look fundamentally different than anything else we have in the game and with it so too are the shops. Um, and one of the things I'm very curious about too is uh, right now in Sea Thieves, we, we don't have any buildings that really have second stories. Um, you know, all the buildings that we have are all single story uh, with you, with the argument being the Emporium um, and, and the, the inaccessible area in the tavern. So as we're kind of looking at some of these different shops, I am really kind of curious to see what they're going to do with it what are what are the choices that they're going to make because it does look like um they have kind of redone most of them and most of the actual shops themselves are going to be in their own little section away from the actual fort fort part of it because um in one of the shots you can see there are uh, a couple buildings side by side um, there's a very tall building that's connected by a arched bridge um, and just barely just barely in the background in its uh, setting in the sun so i know this is on the west side um, you can see two things you can see the shipwright with the merchant alliance tent and you can see the captain's sea uh what are the sovereigns uh, you can see the sovereign's tower just barely poking up over some of the buildings so the actual uh, main island where a lot of the trade companies do their business currently those are all getting changed those are all getting built up those are going to have high high stone walls um they're going to have <laughs> It's just like, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that space. Maybe they'll actually have like a way to kind of show off uh, some of the different costumes that you can buy, some of the different things you can do in there. Um, I would love for them to be able to showcase like some of the content that that's coming to the game that's new to the game, like be able to have mannequins like we had mannequins in the actual uh, clothing shop that had a set on it. And there was one in particular that was taken out of the game. And I'm really wondering, like, if you have a two-story building dedicated to the clothing shop, will that clothing shop be able to show off some of the different clothing? Like, will you be able to like go in there and edit the um, the presets that they're going to be offering for clothing? Yeah, they did say they were going to do clothing presets. I'm pretty sure they said they were doing clothing presets because they said they were doing ship presets. And I think in one of the, sh one of the podcasts, they talked about clothing presets. And I know that because... I have no, no, no idea what's going on in insiders right now. So it's not like no knowledge. Um, but I am really wondering, like, how are they going to do that? Are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to like allow you to be able to play around with that kind of stuff in those shops? Cause otherwise it seems like a lot of space for, you know, just, <laughs> just, just the norm. Um, but I am really curious. Like I'm, I'm super curious about this. I really, really want to know what's going to happen with all this. Um, cause even in the work in progress stuff, 
And the reason why I say that they're, that it's work in progress is not because the, the, the build, the buildings and the bridges themselves are still being worked on, but because this is something that they're still currently developing in house, they haven't been able to tell us like when this is going to be coming. Um, it's obviously going to be coming in the future, but given that we had the actual, it's been a whole season since we've had any changes and then we finally got some changes and now I really want to see where they're going to go with it. Um, but it'll be really cool to see some of this really start to come alive. And that's something I think Sea of Thieves does really well. They do a fantastic job of really kind of taking small things uh, that are going to eventually become big things in the world and doing a little kind of, I don't know, like an evolution. I wanted to say breadcrumb trail. It's not really a breadcrumb trail, but it is an evolution. Um, but to see that, it's just, it's magnificent. And I think everyone's going to be really excited to kind of see this come into the game. If you haven't gotten a chance to actually check it out, I would really highly recommend you go watch the actual old stream from the uh, from Friday. And uh, that it's about 30 minutes in when they they kind of started to talk about the decision and the choices. And now that they know what was going to happen, they've started to actually work on building uh, the results of the the choice that we had, and I would guess that, let's see, it started, let's see, we found out in June, I would give a six-month lead time, they've already started to put a little bit out, so June, July, August, so probably, I would probably say like the end of December is probably when they're looking to do some of the, the other changes, and I would expect another three months to really kind of finish up what that development is going to look like, right? So now that we know like the results of this one, it's probably gonna be about six months before we see the result of this player decision, right? And then it'll probably be like another story bit about what's going on. But let's get into that actually, because we just got the results. All right, so the moment has come. We found out what the results are. I don't think too many people were actually surprised by this. It seemed to be much more lopsided than the last community decision that we had on uh, the the saving or destroying of Golden Sands. Um, overall, I will say again, I do really think that this community decision was far more balanced. Um, but it didn't feel like it was as grave of a choice as um, as it did with Golden's Hands. I don't know why. Maybe it was because that was the first community decision. But it really did feel like everyone was really kind of rooting for Flameheart. And I don't blame them because it would be really cool to actually have like a proper boss fight with Flameheart. And it's tough because a lot of people that want to fight Flameheart have to vote for Flameheart, even if they don't want to be uh, a part of the Reapers, they just want to get that fight. And I don't know that we knew that was going to be the case or not the case with the, the results of this decision. So, and one of the things that actually leads me to wonder, like, if this is actually going to happen or not, it really does come back to the fact that we have a, a new faction for the, or new factions for season eight. So it seems really weird to have Flameheart resurrected just to have him destroyed. Like he's not going to be destroyed at this point. And and for those that may be wondering what the results were, I'm I'm sorry to say that Team Flameheart won, Pendragon lost. Uh Pendragon is now lost to the Sea of the Damned. Um, which really shouldn't be 
it shouldn't be too big a surprise because he's been there. He's hung out there. We'll probably see him in the future at some point. Uh, but it was very interesting to kind of see the results of the actual um, community decision. So uh, they started to give us some of the numbers for what was going to happen. And it's kind of interesting because surprisingly enough, while a lot of people were kind of giving a lot of the different um while, while, they, while Rare was actually giving us all these numbers, it, they weren't very clear on what side ended where, um, which I thought was, was kind of odd. Like we found out kind of where things were towards the end of the community decision for saving or destroying Golden Sands. Um, and the results, the analytics that they provided here were more kind of like, these are what people did. And it wasn't really like where people's loyalty uh, lied. Um, but if we go through some of the actual numbers here, the number of enchanted bewitching dolls, which is the ones that were infused with the, the soul flame captains, um, the ones that were turned in, 271,065. Here's the weird thing. Um, the number of soul flame captains that were killed, though, is higher. So there were 387,000 compare of oh, soul flame captains sent back to the veil compared to 271,000. So in, in effect, there was, there was roughly about 17, 18,000, uh, captains that were killed that never had their soul infused into a doll, which really makes me wonder, like, how well was this communicated? Now, if you look at the number of uh, dolls that were actually turned in, and bear in mind, when we were doing this, you could find up to three um, at, the, at, the, at, at some of the ones that I found, at least three dolls at, on one sea fort. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily the case because people had done them and they didn't find them because they were hiding in the little spaces or they didn't care about them and they didn't know anything about the actual community event. It's really tough to say kind of where things were landing with this. Um, but as a total, the number of bewitching dolls uh, was 709,000 which means that there was 438,000 that were turned in with no enchantment at all. And it was interesting to see uh, the number of dolls that were um, banded or turned handed in uh, with full con fort control, which means that everyone had all six sea forts going for their faction only 17,000 were turned in with full control, which means that either people didn't turn the people didn't go and actually raise the flag or others were contested. But only 17,000 out of the 709,000 turned in were actually in fort control. It's it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to see to, to think about that. And I was really, I was not too surprised by this, but they said that Mercy's End Fortress, the one that is between Kraken's Fall and um, Ancient Spire Outpost, was the one that was the most vulnerable. And that kind of rings true to me because A, most people spawn in Ancient Spire because it's the first spawn in point for a server. And B, it's one of the most uh, direct ones next to Shipwreck Bay, which means that most people are probably going to go there if they're going for Bell. Um, the, the most resilient one was old Brainstone fortress. And I have no reason, I have no reasons or, or, uh, any kind of thoughts about why that, why that's the case. Um, but it was really just kind of weird to kind of see that they weren't really giving like 
who won by how much. And I think that's kind of what a lot of us want. We want to know how much the other side won. You know, how far off were we? Um, instead of kind of, these are the general numbers of what people did. Because I don't know that anyone can really sit there and say, oh yeah, I can attribute the 15 that I turned in to the total number of dolls turned in. It's like 709,000, such a big number. Having an individual feel in that really doesn't, really doesn't convey how much importance your efforts were uh, when you're actually doing this. So um, I'm hoping for the future in community decisions that we're able to actually take a look and say like this team was at this point and this team was at this point and at the very end they came together and it's a like a like a splatoon three splatfest result you you see it kind of start off and then it finally collides and then you see which team actually won and that was that was the result the runes and things next on today's docket let's dive into the rest of season eight the rest of this uh video there was a lot to go over and uh we're, we, we just barely know anything so let's get into some of the obvious stuff new season season eight pvp opt-in stuff uh there's going to be twitch drops this weekend um i know this weekend is going to be really kind of hectic for a lot of folks in uh north america at least um it's kind of our our holiday season so a lot of us are going to be out of town, and hopefully if you get a chance, you'll be able to log on to Twitch, get some of those drops, uh, make sure that you guys aren't missing out on stuff like that. So uh, I think, I'm trying to think of what they actually called them. Um, I don't know if they announced it officially. No, they did. They did, because they did it on stream. I don't know if they posted what it was actually going to be, though. <laughs> I just know that there's, there's going to be drops. Um, oh, they did. Okay, awesome. So it looks like it's going to be more drops for the rise uh rising morning star goodies and it looks like uh hat dress jacket and gloves are going to be the goodies and it's going to be another one of those per hour rewards so make sure you got your uh your you got your twitch drop automatic twitch ex extension turned on you log on on the 23rd and you start watching someone doesn't matter which of the partnered streamers it is just make sure you click on one of them and you watch them for about four hours you'll get your rewards and that should be able to uh, help you get some some stuff that you might have missed because i think we actually had this stuff so but it's four drops four hours an hour each make sure that you have some way to automatically claim it if possible that way you don't miss out on the time that it takes to actually get those all right we're also going to be getting a new uh, season pass. The new season pass looks great. Uh, we don't know all of the items quite yet. We can kind of gauge what they are based on the icons. Uh, looks like we're going to be getting the ghost weapons um, finally, which is fantastic. It'll be nice to actually have those because we've had the ghost equipment thanks to the Pirate's Life Tall Tales. Uh, we're also going to be getting some items that look very much like they are representing a flame heart um there's a set that looks very nice uh in, in just the icons but it looks like we're getting flame heart speared um as well as a flame heart belt uh, a couple other items and uh that also includes the stuff that's coming over to the emporium um it looks like we're going to be getting a new uh ravenwood set that is for the the actual cosmetic sets for ships um looks good there's also a costume and there's also what looks to be like a wolf or like a saber wolf or a werewolf costume that is coming as well as a kingly set that's a lot of a lot of gold uh, absolute just ton of gold on this boat um, but those are some of the things that are coming uh, they're also going to be bringing 
things like uh, trinkets to celebrate rare past games. I don't know if those are going to be added to the to the milestones or if those are going to be um, added to the main game or to the actual Emporium. I think they're going to be added to the main game. I don't think those are going to be put in the Emporium, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Um, and one of the things that I think was really awesome about this uh, Season 8 announcement is that um, if you complete all 100 levels of the Season Pass, uh, you will be awarded 1,000 Ancient Coins, which will that's going to guarantee that you're going to have enough gold or enough Ancient Coins to be able to pick up the next Season Pass in three months. Or you can spend them on what you want. Maybe that's the reward. You know, you drop 10 bucks on uh, on the season pass and you get a 10 bucks back and then you can take that 10 bucks and you can put it towards something else you want. But I'm really glad to have that, basically. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to jump into before we actually talk about the content that we know so far for season eight. Um, it's coming out on November 22nd, by the way, too. So like 48 hours. <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Um, we've just getting content and content and content. Having that long stretch of nothing uh, between June and July, we we know that that was really painful for a lot of us that were waiting for the next content, but everything is just kind of slammed together all at the end here, and we're back on track where I think they wanted to have this come out at this time, uh, maybe a little bit later than they were originally anticipated by like maybe a, a week or so. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, I think we're just about back on the regular schedule for seasons that they'd wanted to have when they first kind of kick these off. So, but we'll have to kind of wait and see how things go and where things line up. Um, but I think that's pretty much it. I'm really happy to see the, the content that they're bringing with the season pass. I think they're doing some smart decisions with that. Um, again, I think I really do feel like Sea of Thieves season pass is not only one of the, the best ones as far as the amount of stuff that you get with it but it also offers you uh the best value for the content that you're getting you get a full set with the uh, with the plunder pass um which is typically around 25 30 bucks uh, if you're if you're looking at like how much a set typically costs in the the emporium really happy that that i'm moving with my hands i'm smacking stuff here but i'm really happy that they're doing the 10 or the 1000 ancient coins back because that that is a great reward just in and of itself. So even if you aren't a fan of it, you at least get the money back, right? It's, it's, it's store currency. You can spend it on something else in the store, but you're for all intents and purposes, you're getting free content at that point, right? Just through time investment, which is something that Sea of Thieves does well and doesn't do well at times. They're really good at, at valuing or, or at, at, at caring about the time that you spend in the game when it comes to like renown. Uh, they're not very good at, at uh, accounting for your time when you're trying to get something major done in Sea of Thieves. Um, but I think that's I think that's just the nature of the game at this point. Like there, and there's still a plenty of stuff that you can go do that is anywhere from like a half hour to an hour's worth of stuff. Heck, I, I went and actually soloed I went and soloed a skeleton fort the other day. I logged on, got into Plunder, went to Old Boot Fort took like an hour or two solo ran into no one got it all turned it in and i was done that was like a yeehaw adventure for me right there just a nice little little couple hours worth of fun before i hopped into something else with other folks oh 
Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any two VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that pirates, let's get back to the show. All right, let's talk about the meat and potatoes that's coming with season 8. This is opt-in PVP. Um it is 1v1. It's this is why arena died when we got arena this is what we were hoping we would get um actually i i I was i think we were hoping that we would get something that would reward us in pvp in adventure long before arena came i think when arena came we were happy to see something that was on demand pvp right um arena died and a pirate's life portal system was born so that this season could exist if it wasn't for pirate's life and it wasn't for arena we wouldn't be able to have this system and i think this system i'm i have some reservations just due to not being able to actually get in and try it well i i I could have tried it i guess if i really wanted to um but having not played it I have to be a little, a little cautious, you know, just a little reserved. I don't want to go too ham on this because I think that's a, a dangerous place to be with my emotions. You know, be reserved about things before you actually jump in. Don't pre-order games, but I think, I think this may be the best arena we're ever going to get. And I think this is just the, I think this is the groundwork for what we could do. They're doing a, a totally, I don't even know how they came up with the idea for this, but they came up with an idea that it gives you a little hourglass. It's called the hourglass of fate. It sits on the captain's table and it does two things. It offers you one of two spins. If you spin it, you change allegiance to one of two factions. There's two fa- it's, it's it's horde or alliance right now. If you're on the alliance, then you're a guardian of fortune. That's just how that works. If you're a servant of flame, you're a horde member. And as I tell everyone, for the horde so now that we've got the two factions set all of the factions are going to have uh different roles to play there's going to be different things that you get with them there's going to be different things that you can earn for them uh they're going to have their own tracking they're going to have their own reputation so if you go into say like your pirate's log pirate's log is now going to have two uh alignments And these alignments are the factions, right? And you're going to earn favor with each of these alignments the same way you earn faction or reputation with the different trade companies. So that's how this works. Um, With the, I actually really love this too. With the hourglass of fate, 
It's going to be on your captain's table. It's the way you queue into uh, opting into to be ready for PvP. So if you want to go into a, a, if you want to earn repu or if you want to earn favor with these alignments, you need to go and put yourself into battle using the hourglass of fate on the captain's table on your boat. Once you do that, you will then signify that you are ready for PvP. And anyone that is out searching for PvP could potentially be matched up to you so that you they spawn into your server and you to fight it out and whoever is left floating wins. Now, they've put in a couple things that help kind of make sure that people aren't just going to run away. And they've got a battle area kind of like with Arena. There's going to be a little circle. You can stay within that circle. There's not really any, any indication right now of how many circles there's going to be in the world. Is it going to be a set area? Do you have to go to that area? Can it just appear wherever you are? Like we don't know. I don't know the details. Uh, some people know because they've been playing insiders. I don't know the details of that yet. We'll have to wait this week to find out like how that all is going to work out. But essentially, once you opt into the battle mode, you are then going to be flagged as someone who's wanting to, to PVP and you'll go into a system. Uh, when someone else opens up the war map that's going to be on their captain's table, they can opt in to be the aggressive crew. They can opt in to go searching for people who have opted into the battle system to be able to pair up with them to go head to head. And it's all going to be skill based. It's all going to be match made based on skill. For the most part, you're probably going to be fighting against equal crews. So if you're a solo sloop and you opt in, you're going to be seeing, you're going to be fighting up against other solo sloopers. If you're a duo sloop crew, same thing. You're going to be paired up with other duo sloops. Same thing with brigs. Same thing with galleons. There was a question that came out. What happens if someone uh, disconnects on a crew and you're down a person while they're reconnecting? When they reconnect, they come back into the match like it's no no biggie. What happens if you're a solo slooper and someone wants to join you mid-battle? They have to stay on the ferry. They can't join you if you've opted into battle as a 1v1 sloop crew, which means you can't outnumber the other person by having someone jump in. When they jump in, they'll spawn in the ferry of the damned and they have to wait there until the battle's done. I love that. I love the thought to protection against people trying to cheese the system. It's well thought out. Makes me think that this is going to be really good. So if you want to opt into battles, you've got the hourglass of fate on your captain's table. If you want to be the aggressor, there's an, a map, a war map on your table that you can open up and it will, it will tell you like, do you want to go hunting for other ships? And you have to vote as a crew on this. It can't just be one person. So the crew has to vote to do this. That's kind of the main way that it happens. So in the actual battle, when you are going to actually deal with other crews, if you leave the battle area, you're going to get a warning and your hourglass is going to start to crack. And I love that there's a little Banjo-Kazooie Easter egg with a little cracking of the hourglass too. But the longer you stay out of the area, the more you go out of it, uh, your hourglass of fate will eventually explode, you will lose your ship. It's not like a keg or something simple like that. You will sink. It will kill your ship. So if you run, you lose. If you get sunk, you lose. What happens when you get sunk? 
when you get sunk, you spawn in the uh, underwater um, tunnel. And when you come out of the water, you are essentially on a new server and you're not flagged for the battle so that if you want to go and resupply, you can and you're not immediately thrown into another battle. Uh, the winners get to stay and they get to go and do whatever they want. Um, they, they can either stay in the battle or they can head to an outpost and they can turn in their hourglass for whatever value it's worth, plus the allegiance value that it's earned, right? But they don't have to worry about that ship after that point. Like that, that the losing crew gets kicked off the server. They get sent to another server. And I think that's a really smart way to go about it too. That way you don't have people who are salty coming back to fight you. They lost, suck it up, go to another server, resupply, jump back in. And I like that. That's smart. Thank you. That's exactly what we want. In the trailer, I think this was one of the coolest things actually too. So um, if you've played through Pirate's Life or if you've gone into a skeleton fleet or had an emergent skeleton ship spawn on you, you've always been able to see them kind of shoot up out of the water and land on the waves and it looks fantastic. It's, it's really well designed, it looks amazing and it's something that I always thought was really, really fun. Um, we are finally going to be able to do that. So when you are the aggressor, on your war table, when you vote it, you will be sent into battle. You will then submerge your ship below the waves. And as you're sailing through the water, looking for another crew that's of equal size and of equal skill, you will find one. And when you find one, you erupt out of the water like Davy Jones's ship. And it's so cool to actually see that. And it spawns you right ahead of the actual crew so that you're right there, you're right in the midst of battle and it's gonna kick it off. There's music that plays, it's a whole event. It really gets the blood going from what it looks like so far. And I'm really, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then whoever loses, they get sent into the water and they spawn on a different server. So it's a really interesting way to kind of have like this fight or flight if you if you fight and you win awesome you get to stick around the other crew goes um what else here i think that's it as far as how the battles actually work uh you have to go to an outpost if you want to leave battle and i'm saying battle is the broad term of you being involved with pvp fights like you can be in there and you can do other stuff and then eventually if someone wants to go be the aggressor they can, uh, or if you want to be the aggressor, you either use the war table uh, or the war map or, or they spawn on you and you'll know about it. Um, but I really like the fact that with each successful battle, your hourglass earns value. And it's kind of like having something that will just slowly get more and more valuable as you deal with more and more crews. Um, it's kind of like the idea that we had of a chest that the longer you had the chest on your ship, the more valuable it was worth. But the but the the turnaround on that was is like maybe it gets heavier, so it weighs you down, and you have to deal with, you know, more water coming up into your ship if you get any holes, you know, something like that. But this is a really beautiful system. I love that the hourglass uh, is is intrinsic to being able to fight other people. The more you kill, the 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 higher value it gets. Um, that doesn't include the whole treasure system that's also associated with the hourglass. So the hourglass will earn you value on its own. 
the more you PvP. But any treasure that you actually get, whether it be from other players or from going out and getting it yourself, any treasure aboard is going to increase your treasure grade. So you have the value of the hourglass itself, then you have the grade that you have for sinking ships, and then there's another tracking system that in that keeps track of how much treasure you have on your ship. And the more valuable that treasure is, the more treasure grade you earn. And your treasure grade, when you go to actually vote out of the battle at the, at the, the outpost, will also increase the amount of reputation you earn for your allegiance. Uh, or for your for the faction that you're you're representing right so the idea here is you get a bunch of treasure you uh, earn value for that and the more other rival ships that you defend against and defeat the more worth that treasure uh, value will be so you actually earn value off of it uh, like twice which is kind of amazing. So the more uh, the the more times you sink another ship with treasure aboard, the more faction rep, the more the more allegiance rep you will earn when you sink those crews. When you eventually go vote out of the battle system, so it's a it's like the risk reward here is fantastic. I love that they're that they're saying like, hey, don't go into battle empty-handed. If you want to get more reputation for these factions, if you want to get a lot of faction reputation. Go in there stacked with a bunch of treasure, defeat the person that is is fighting that you're fighting against, and you'll earn all that all that that value as rep. It's 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 really brilliant. And the other the other aspect of it is is emissaries are actually factioned into this as well too. It's not like either or. If you want to run an emissary for either Reapers or Athenas, you can do that as well, and you can earn an emissary grade for your hourglass as well too so if you've been hunting down ships and you've been getting more and more emissary or more and more um uh grades on your more and more streaks on your hourglass of fate then that is going to be worth more money based on your emissary grade as well too which is fantastic so not only are you going to earn more gold for every ship that you sink but you're also going to earn emissary value off of that as well Plus, any treasure that you have is going to be affected by the emissary, and that treasure is going to add to the reputation that you get for your allegiance. It's friggin' brilliant. It's, it's like the most reward possible you could get for the most risk you put yourself at. So, more treasure, emissary flag, hourglass, the streaks. I haven't even gotten into the streaks yet. So, for every ship you sink, you earn one more streak. The more ships you sink, the higher your streak goes. As far as we know, there isn't like a limit to it. But once you hit streak four, once you sink, uh, sunk, yeah, sunk, once you sunk four ships, that's when you start turning into a champion of your faction. And that's when players will start, start to be able to see you on the map. So this is the bounty system that we were hoping for. This is the system that we were hoping that would gain infamy. So people would start learning your name. People would start learning your, your crew name uh, or your ship name, I guess, in this case. And you would start to get that reputation. People would know. They would see the champion on the map, and then they would see what name it is, and they would start to know what their reputation is. And it really does start to build up the idea of what a pirate is, the feared pirates on the seas. Uh, and this will be very interesting to see how well it goes. 
I can anticipate that a lot of streamers are going to be going out there trying to see how high of a streak they can get as they are working their way through these different alignments. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see which pirates actually go for which faction. Are they going to go for the Guardians of Fortune? Are they going to go for the Servants of Flame? or Servants of the Flame. I don't know why it's of the Flame, but it's Servants of the Flame in this case. Um, but it's really kind of interesting to see how they've thought this through, how they've gone about each one to think like, what are the what are the issues with um, Arena? What are the issues with PvP? Well, the issues with PvP was uh, the people would leave, people would run away, and running away is a viable uh, tactic, but it doesn't really benefit those that are looking for a fight from willing people, right? And the problems with PV with arena was is that it took you out of adventure. So you'd be sitting around in a tavern waiting for, for things to happen. Uh, in the meantime, it wait, it, it remains to be seen how the queuing system will work in reality, because right now they say that while you, while you're waiting, while you're matchmaking, uh, for another crew, you dive down into the waters and you're waiting for someone else. So you could be sitting on your ship instead of it just being something where you're in the tavern or in yeah in the sea dog tavern just kind of waiting hopping around playing hide and go seek so i'm hoping what happens with this system is there's a queue time and and this is kind of how world of warcraft works with the queue system you queue into the system when your queue is ready uh when everyone's ready it pops you hit you have a like a i don't know maybe like a 45 second timer but at times this this doesn't really uh, impact that but um, what I'm hoping happens is that you have like a countdown on when things are going to happen, but I don't know. See, I, I guess you would have to just go down into the tunnel and wait because you can't, they can't expect you to just be on an Island or be at a sea fort or be at a, a, a world event working on something. And then your, your cue for the, the match pops and they're just like, all right, cool. Well, <laughs> stop what you're doing, leave. So you can go do this PVP battle. So I guess you're going to be stuck in the tunnel during the time where you're waiting for a match so it's really going to depend on what the queue times are and i think people are going to have an interesting time uh on how they are going to get their streaks if they have to switch factions because if the queue times are really really good for reapers right off the bat and you're not having to wait that long but then the more people you take out the fewer people are in the pool of players that you can play against in your queue system. And there's there may be more people that are rival factions or, or your faction. I could see this being an issue where and, and I, I have I don't know yet. So we'll have to see if you flip factions. Do you lose your streak? Because I imagine you will. I imagine that you have to because uh, you're no longer representing that faction and that faction keeps track of your highest streak for that faction so this could be very detrimental to the people that are trying to get the highest cue or the highest streak the longer they go on it, it remains to be seen but we'll have to figure out like how this goes as soon as it comes out but i could definitely see people not wanting to lose their streak with the number of ships that they've sunk so they can continue to increase the value of their hourglass of fate right but if the queue time keeps getting longer and longer and longer they may not go on the offensive anymore. They may actually just go and do other stuff while they're waiting for someone to come and attack them. And that might be a way to round it. That might actually be a good way to go about it. If your queue time gets too long, take off the offensive, uh, uh, go vote down the, the war map on your captain's table, 
and go do some PVE stuff, restock, whatever you want to do while you're waiting for an aggressive person on the opposite faction to actually come hunt you down in that case. Um, so that way you're not necessarily just sitting in the water waiting for you to find someone to go up against. So that feels like that's something that if it works that way, and, and, and I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to work it out as I'm talking through this now, but if it works like that, then that would actually solve the issue that Arena had, which was there wasn't anything to do and you were losing time that you could be earning gold or doubloons or what have you by not being an adventure, being stuck in the tavern, right? And with crews dropping in and dropping out, the queue time was a lot longer. This is just a 1v1, but it is skill-based, which will be interesting to figure out, like, how do they determine skill-based? Will it be based off of the ship? Will it be based off of each individual pirate's MMR, which is a, a matchmaking uh, uh number i don't know i can't remember what mmr stands for but it's it's your ranking maybe that's what it is matchmaking ranking match making yeah that works i don't know i'm not gonna bother looking it up either but essentially it's the number it's the hidden number in the system that determines what your skill is and then compares that to to similar players in your skill pool then they put you together to make sure that the fight is more equal and we've already seen people like crying about this in the stream when we were watching it people were already upset that there was going to be skill-based matchmaking and the argument for that is that they're going to have to have a longer queue time the better they are because the pool or the pool of people that they are playing against is going to get smaller and smaller the better they are and to that i have to say i'm sorry i don't care if you were if you're so good then you're you already know you're good and and there's not really much that you can do about it um, you could purposefully lose fights, I guess, to lower your MMR, like a lot of players do in other games. Uh, most other players go and start making Smurf accounts to, to be able to play against other people at a reasonable time frame. And yes, it's it's bad for the people that are in the higher pool of, of skill, but honestly, a majority of people are going to be within the same pool of people. That, that's why, like, I don't know, I've been playing... What is it? I've been playing for like five years for Heroes of the Storm. All of the seasons are ranked. All of the pools are about the same. And everyone is somewhere between gold and platinum as far as the tiers go. And they go up to like masters, which is after uh, diamond, which is above platinum. But they call it plat hell because so many people have a hard time getting out of platinum into diamond so that they can get into a better group of, of players. But the, the truth of the matter is, is their skill is roughly around diamond and they are or roughly around platinum, I should say. And they're not learning to figure out how to get better so that they can get out of platinum and into diamond. And, and you know, they're constantly upset about that. And that's because a lot of people don't spend enough time focusing in on the things that they're doing wrong. They're not analyzing their their past performances to be able to see where the where the tip was where the tip in the scale was where it went from there and there in favor to the other crew in favor and trying to figure out what could have been done better in the future fights right so i think skill-based matchmaking is a much better way to go for a majority of players because a majority of players would rather play against crews that are of their skill level 
than players that are dealing with, you know, watching much higher ranked people not have any skill based matchmaking at all and never knowing like who you're going to go up against. Are you going to go up against someone who's really, really good? Or are you going to go up against someone who's never played the game before? And that is always more painful because you don't have a good understanding of what your skill is going to be compared to them. And you can definitely judge that sometimes, but not always. And it's always better to just kind of go with having a pool system that separates everyone based on their skill. In my personal opinion, a lot of people are going to tell me I'm wrong and give me good examples as to why. But from my perspective, from a general audience perspective, skill-based matchmaking is a much better system because most people are going to fall into the same groups. So yeah, I, I feel like I've covered pretty much all of this. I like the idea that your hourglass is what increases your reputation with your faction that you've chosen. I like that uh, treasure impacts how much reputation you get. I like that the gold earned from the hourglass can be augmented by the emissary flag. Uh, I like that the number of ships you've sunk will increase the amount of reputation that you gain through your faction as well. I like that having treasure aboard while sinking other crews will also impact how much reputation you earn with that faction. Like they've taken a lot of different ways that you can earn reputation and, and chances are the, the commendations on this, and we'll probably break this down in a future episode when we get a chance to take a look at it, but the commendations will most likely guide you to what will give you what the different ways are to be able to earn the the allegiance to your faction right and i think that's a really nice way to kind of cater people uh, or not cater but um uh sherpa people into like what the system will be like and it, and and for the most part i'm glad that there are multiple ways to augment how much you earn in your allegiance there's multiple ways for you to earn additional gold on top of what you're just getting from the hourglass. It's It seems very well, very meticulous, uh, very well thought out. And I'm glad that they've done this because there had to be a way for people to get that on-demand PvP. Um, there's plenty of things you can do in the game right now that are pve on demand you can go to a sea fort you can throw down a captain's voyage you can head to a world event you can go out looking for another crew you can just jump into uh, an island and, and go do or do a tall tale or a sunken shrine um uh, or a gold hoarder vault you know or a fleet there's so much you can do that is on demand content for pve this is genuinely the first time that they've really introduced something into the game uh, that looks like it is as well thought out as they've uh, they've taken the time and the approach for the rest of their PvE content. Prior to this, we had the arena, and while the arena was great for conventions, it was not as as good for players who were looking to play against similar similar crews uh, of their skill type. And even before that, if you go all the way back. Uh, the only thing that we really had was things like the Reaper's Mark, and they tried to do stuff like this. They tried to incentivize uh, people using the Reaper's Mark, and a lot of it was tied to commendations for events that you had to have the Reaper's Mark up whilst doing these different commendations. And it worked. People were were kind of hard-pressed to want to do that for the most part because it felt like you were focused on PvE when they're telling you you need to be at risk for pvp 
and it didn't mesh that well, right? And I think this is a much better way because it is solely designed around being able to get reputation with your faction to be able to get the milestones that you want so that once you hit 100 in your allegiance, uh, then you can actually go down into what I think is is the coolest thing I've seen. So with each different faction, you're going to have uh, different places that you can go to to visit that give you the special rewards, the cosmetics, the things that you want to check out. And the Pirate Legend Tavern is going to have an expansion for those that have reached uh, 100 in their affiliate um, or no, their allegiance, uh, which is the milestone stuff. And once you get in there, that's when they were talking about some of the different rewards that you can get. And one of the main rewards that you can get is to get the ghost curse, uh, something that actually turns you into a ghost-like version of yourself in either a green or a gold variant. It looks as though you're going to be able to get a couple of emotes that allow you to have the uh, pirate lord's staff or, or cane whatever you want to call it. Um, but it does look like you'll be able to use your own cosmetics with this curse. It'll just make you look like a version of uh, yourself that is is in the ghostly kind of pirate legend theme. Alternatively, you've also got the Reaper's Bones, the Reaper's uh, Lair. And when you get down in there, not only do you have to be level 75 in uh, Reaper's Hideout, or no, yeah, Reaper's Bones. Um, but once you hit uh, level 100 in your milestone, then you'll be able to go down in there uh, as far as I can understand it. And that's when you'll be able to meet the Bonesmith, who will then give you the ability to turn into a skeleton. I don't know if this is permanent. I don't think it's permanent, um, but I think it's going to be kind of like a, a new version of customization. It'll be something that allows you to uh, change your, your head, your torso, as well as your legs. And they're going to have different types of skeletons and stuff. And a lot of this is stuff that if you have the art book, looks like it's coming from the art book. Um, they have things like the, uh, the wheel built upper body, which is a, a play on words for well built. Uh, but that one has like a helm on your back with little skulls on top of it, something straight out of the art book. Uh, there's another one that has like a, I don't know, I'd call it like a like a, a metal iron wrought cage uh, that is is in your torso as well. I, I'm assuming they're going to call it something like the Iron Maiden uh, chest, but that's kind of there. Um, they've also got a, a crustacean one where a crustacean like a crab has actually um, been in your or is in your chest, your rib cage, and its largest claw arm acts as your left arm, which looks really fantastic as well. We saw a couple more where uh, it's going to have some of the, the gold hoarder type aesthetic with a green jacket and the gold uh, little little um, I don't know, ingots on a chain, uh, which look great. And I think they've done a really good job of making sure that you're not just going to look like a regular skeleton to everyone else, that you'll be able to customize your skeleton uh, to have kind of features that really speak to you. Um, and I like that they're doing this in a theme. You know, and this all kind of goes back to the orb stream that we had last year in December, where over the course of that 24 hours of the orb stream, they had the different prophecies. Uh, the final one was you you will descend down into the depths. You will drink of the cup. You will uh, uh, die and then you will be born again into flames. And that is exactly what happens here. You get this skeleton curse. And once you're a skeleton curse, you can then start wearing the skeleton outfits. But you have to work for it. You have to prove that you're worthy of 
flame heart. You have to prove that you're worthy of the Reaper's bones. And that is a very driving goal for a lot of players who enjoy like the idea of being a cursed skeleton, myself included. So I will definitely be working on reaper's bones in this case i'm probably going to start trying to be a lot more active in pvp uh, as a result because i really love the idea of being able to have your own skeleton be your own skeleton not just the warsmith costume or the uh the krampus one or the um the spinal one i'm trying to think are there are there i don't think there's any other ones that i can think of there's the uh bleak heart manor costume which you're also a skeleton for but i think that's it i think we only have the four right now that i can think of Unless you want to, I don't know if you could consider the the jackalooter one as a skeleton. He's just a, a pumpkin, gourd, what have you. So we'll have to see um, how frequent. Now, the nice thing is, is that, of course, there's only going to be a li limited number of, of cosmetics with the kickoff to this. Uh, and as time goes on, they will probably introduce different types of cosmetics. Um, but it's really unique. And it's something that really calls back to content that has been in the art book for a very long time that we just haven't seen come to fruition. And you never know with these types of things. You never really know. Um, it's, it feels like the art book is kind of like a playbook for Rare. Like they have all of the ideas that they've ever wanted to do with Sea of Thieves. And a lot of these have just, they've been planned <laughs> from the get-go. It's just a matter of how they fit into the story. And where can they do some of this stuff? Like, obviously, some of the skeleton designs that we've seen for, like, the Mutinous Helmsman and um, uh, the Duchess, things like that, uh, those are ones that kind of hearken to some of the different designs and, and aesthetics that have been in the actual art book. But they went a different route with those, given that they're more of, like, a boss type. Um, so they got a little more of a, of a, a, a glow up, if you will when it came to those kind of cosmetics so i'm going to be taking a look through the art book and taking a look to see like what is left in the game that uh, or in the art book that has yet to make it to the game um, a lot of this really does come to animals there's a lot of animals in the book that have yet to make it to sea of thieves and because of that i'm wondering if there's going to be a point where we'll actually get to see some of these animals especially given that um some of the animals i think would have been perfect for the tunnel that takes you or that you go into it's, i hate saying it's a tunnel because it's not really a tunnel but the uh the path that you take when you dive into the water for this uh, pvp system you're going to be under the waves right kind of sailing along waiting for for the matchmaking to work up before you emerge from the water and um I don't know what's planned for it. I haven't seen it in action outside of what we've seen in the videos, but I feel like this would be an excellent opportunity for them to add things like manta rays, whales, dolphins. If you're going to be under the water for a fair amount of time and you're going to want to, uh, you know, have that be an interesting thing for people to keep their eyes on while they're like waiting for a match, then Go the whole nine, you know, uh, really gussy it up. Put some nice coral in there. Put a couple shipwrecks in the distance. You know, have some big whales kind of uh, swimming by. Maybe a megalodon at some point or a kraken. And have some dolphins, some manta rays, things like that. That, you know, you can you can kind of see as you're going along in the in in the little little matchmaking thing. You know, make a make a bit of a show of it. They've done that before with uh, us traveling between realms you know when you're traveling between 
the Sea of Thieves and the Sea of the Damned, you get these little ghosts and they're they, they're doing little things on your ship. You know, they're checking out maps or they're looking at the map table or they're playing music or they're spotting stuff or they're sleeping back behind the map table. You know, and they've done little things like the the uh, lighthouse kind of. Uh, moving the spotlight around so that it's checking on the different souls that are passing in the little rowboats and such on Pirates Life ones, um, and I think that if they're gonna if they're gonna have us go into water, it would be fantastic, uh, absolutely amazing, fantastic to see things like big whales, you know, blue whales, and and um, I can't think of any other killer whales. Like I can't think of any other whales at the moment. Uh, beluga whales. I don't know why that popped into my mind. I haven't. I don't even know if a beluga whale is technically a whale. I'm pretty sure it's a, a, a whale, but I can't. There's like whale sharks, but they're not actually whales. They're just really big sharks, as I understand it. So, you know, stuff like that, stuff that we've been asking for, like, you know, marine life uh, that we haven't seen in a while, you know, giant squids, things like that. So I would love to have that. I hope they do that. I would love to see what that looks like. I'm looking forward to going into the water just to be able to kind of experience that because this is the first time we've ever been able to like submerge our ship um by choice uh so the fact that we're going to be able to do this on demand fantastic ah can't i cannot wait it's 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 really really cool that they're doing this um but i think that the the rewards that they've set up for this system are really really good um, they've given you a really cool place to go check things out. They've given you a real purpose to siding with one side or the other. They've uh, brought back Gloria for the Athena's Tavern area. Gloria's back. If you don't know, she was the the other mysterious stranger. It wasn't just George the whole time. We always had Gloria back in the first year and uh, just depended on which tavern you went to. Um, but she's back now, apparently. Uh, there's a, a giant bunch of map tables and bookcases, and I want to know how much of that is all um, kind of tied together. And just how people really take to this. You know, are people going to try and figure out how they can PvE their way through this PvP content if they'll be able to? Will PvE players feel more inclined to work towards these things? Because at least at that point, they're going to try and figure it out. Like when, when Reaper's Bones came out, everyone went out and started hunting. And then eventually people figured out that they will give you the full emissary grade for all loot turned in. And they turned into a PVE faction at this point. So it'll be really interesting to find out what do people do with this? Are people going to role play with this? Are people going to work towards making sure that they are getting the curse that they want? Will people switch sides once they've gotten what they want out of the one that they started off with and we won't really know for a lot of this um but i do know that based off of the content that i've seen so far based on the discussions that they've had in the streams as well as the videos that they put out um the 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 communication that they've had not only with the gamer blade uh, the, the the insiders but also with the partners um that they've tried to think about every aspect of the way this is going to work and how it's going to perceive be perceived and the little things that they didn't take into account when they first started this up that had it not been for the community kind of speaking out and saying like this is this is something that you really need to take into consideration if you're going to do this because otherwise it's going to fall flat and that is a very it's a very interesting take to see it's very nice to see a company like rare that is willing to use all of the information that they get from their community 
to really try and nail down what a, a feature set is going to be for the for the game. And most other studios are just going to put out content. It'll either be a hit or it won't be a hit, but rarely do they have the headway to be able to start teasing out different feature sets and see what the feedback is and then be able to quickly iterate on them, which begs to question the stability of this update which we won't know for a couple more days, but we'll have to see. I'm hoping that everything goes swell. Um, but if uh, captaincy, if the latest season that kicked off is any kind of clue, there's going to be some hitches. So as always, I would always recommend anyone take, take this advice when it comes to the first, you know, first couple days of an actual event or on a new season. Be cautious. Expect that things may or may not be working. Be patient. Make sure that you're not trying to go for the biggest loot haul possible on the first day because there's a, a decent possibility that it may not start, that the system may not be working as intended and they may have to do some hot fixes behind the scenes to be able to make sure that things are calculating properly or that the servers aren't being hit too hard because community days have really helped kind of gauge how much... Um, people are going to be jumping on to be able to play the game. This is slightly different because I don't know if they really have a good idea on what the PVE and PVP sides are going to do. Are they going to jump into this? Are, are they going to anticipate more people than they think they might for this and then adjust the service accordingly? It's it's really hard to kind of gauge this stuff. It's really hard. I can't even imagine what they're trying to try and, uh, trying to figure out right now as far as what they're going to do, how they're going to be prepared, who's going to stay up late working on stuff, how much time is the social media team going to be losing to to try and take care of uh, issues that arise, things like that. It's always kind of uh, scary. So hopefully, if you're looking to get into this, kind of watch some of the streamers on the first day. Get, get some thoughts on, because they'll be there. They'll be streaming it as always. They'll be getting in there trying to make sure that they're putting on a a smile and, and, to, and doing some good entertainment for you. But make sure that you're kind of paying attention to what their feedback is before you call up your buddies and decide that you're going to go spend the next six hours trying to grind out uh, the milestones and the, the allegiance for this kind of stuff, right? Okay, just be cautious <laughs> is all I can really recommend. Um, but until next week, we won't be able to speak to the actual experience. So for now, we'll leave it at here. Um, very interested, very impressed, honestly. I'm actually very impressed with how I don't feel like I have any kind of major red flags with the system. And usually, usually I can look at just about any scenario that we start getting and kind of see like, these are some of the things that I think we're going to run into issues with. I think these are some of the things that the community are going to have umbrage with. And so far, to be perfectly honest, I really don't see any major flags. And that's fantastic. It feels great to be able to sit there and be like, no, I think this is going to hit well. I think this is going to be great. I know a lot of people have been excited for this for a while. I can't wait to get in there and see what it's like, but we'll have to wait for now. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. So Pirates, if you enjoyed this, definitely feel free to let me know. There's plenty of ways to do that. Uh, for the time being, until Twitter decides to be the thing that is no longer the cool thing, um, I will be over on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. 
Um, I kicked up a Hive account just to kind of see because it seems like a lot of friends are going to be jumping over to Hive Social. It looks like it's uh, phone only as far as social media goes. I'm not moving over there, but I'm definitely getting things kind of like set in place in case, you know, something happens to Twitter. Um, but I'm over there at C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N. I took the underscore out because I was not late to the game this time. Um, otherwise, you can always email me, C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. Um, join the Discord. Feel free to jump in if you want to. Uh, I added two new channels that nobody has taken advantage of. So if you want, if you want to get in and start talking about uh, Athena's Fortune or Reaper's Bones, um, there's two new channels in there that you can start kind of talking to people about uh, the cosmetics that you like, or where you're at in your your reputation, or uh, what was your loot haul, or how how many ships were you able to sink in the time that you were going that night. You know, plenty of things you can have some conversations about with your fellow Reapers or fellow Athena's Fortune uh, crew, so or Guardians of, of Fortune, whatever they want to call it. And um, I think we'll we'll call it here, and we will talk about patch notes and experience next week on the next episode, which will be 251. Can you guys believe this has been episode 250? I've done 250 legit s episodes of Sea of Thieves. Not including all the other random stuff that I ever did, like the uh, the the um, uh, side side projects or, or special episodes or destination indie, any of that stuff. All of it, just just the pure sea of thieves. 250 episodes. I'm happy with that. I think that's pretty fantastic. I'm interested to see what the next 250 are going to bring us, uh, given how much has changed in sea of thieves in the last in the first five years it's insane um but we'll have to talk about that later so pirates thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves interested in keeping up with all the latest gaming news but you're just too busy well i've got the podcast for you the robots radio show is a daily gaming news show where i bring you in a quick format all the top news about video games nerd culture and even the best deals you can find the robots radio show on spotify and apple and all the different podcatchers and you can join me live twitch.tv slash robots radio at around noon eastern every day come talk about game stuff with me again that's the robots radio show Available everywhere. Do you love the Witcher series and are interested in learning more about the world and the history and the monsters and the characters of the Witcher? Well, this is Robots from shows like the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast and the Mass Effect Lorecast. And me and my buddy Toasty are now doing the Witcher Lorecast. It's available on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on right now. And we also recorded live on Monday nights on twitch.tv slash robots radio at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So you're welcome to join us there. Again, it's the Witcher Lorecast available everywhere. Go check it out right now.